I don't usually do this, Justin, because um, I just don't watch a lot of TV. But I will say, I'm here to recommend. I think you should leave season three. <laughs> Believe it or not. Believe I, it or not. I know. I was not this expecting coming out that. of nowhere. Yeah, yeah I would have never have thought. But I watched it, the whole damn thing, and I would recommend it. I saw the one. This is like the promo material when he like does the pay it back in the drive through. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is Fuck that is funny. that the general tone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's real good. Um, have you have you watched the rest of? I think you should leave. Have you ever seen it? Only the clips you have showed me, and I think I started the first two episodes, and yeah. it's. I, it is so in your vein, I think, it, a little bit. One of the things with it, like, this is not like a knock. I don't want to knock it. It's just, yeah, like, please. a lot to watch all at once, which is, like, why I'm shocked. Like, I feel like it's one of those I will best appreciate in small clips rather than watching a whole episode. Yes. And I will also say, too, like, for me, and I guess this is just how all comedy works, it's either, like, it's hit or miss. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, uh, uh, the ones that miss are just missing, right? And <laughs> they, it's just like, well, you know, so it goes. It's a four-minute like, four sketch of missing, funny. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that said, like, I don't think, like, a lot of them are misses, and also those misses, like, do kind of help with the pacing, so it's not all, like, crazy all the time, you know what I mean? Um, for, but f- for the uninitiated, what's the elevator pitch for I Think You Should Leave? It's sketch comedy. So it's, each episode's, like, 15 minutes, and it's only, like, six episodes per season or something like that it's um it's a sketch comedy show on netflix um created by tim robinson who has a very um distinct let's call it voice like writing voice and like speech cadence and stuff like that (laughs) um and and he's he's in a lot of the sketches but even the sketches he's not in the people are still kind of doing a tim robinson voice um and it just makes it very peculiar. And it's fun. It's 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 really good. Um, a lot of them like parody different things, um, d- like different types of shows. So like there's one in the second season where um, it, it's a parody on like teen dramas where like the kids are at school and they're having like a really like like intense conversation. And then the principal who's played by <laughs> Tim Robinson walks over and he's just talking about the new shirt that he has that basically it, it's a shirt that has like a little like knob on the front of it so that he can pull it so that it doesn't sort of get trapped in like in his waistline and all that sort of stuff and then he just talks about it for way (laughs) too long while like all the intense music from the teen drama is playing like it's good stuff man (laughs) um i I think it's fun sketch comedy can be so hard i think uh when specifically when you're watching it in a tv version i always have my standards for comedy when i'm in a like improv when i'm watching improv right and yeah. I'm watching it in person at a theater. My expectations for what I laugh at are usually pretty low. Not that yeah. like I don't think what they're doing is funny. It's just like they're making this stuff up on the spot. It's a different they're, expectation. A different expectation. Yeah. But when you watch like sketch comedy on TV, I feel like I know it's similar, but just with your watching it and you're separated between the screen like SNL, I find it really hard frequently to laugh at SNL sketches. I think um, 
SNL is some of the most unfunny shit I've ever seen in my life. I mean, there's some good ones, you know what I mean? Yeah, but oh, yeah, I, yeah. There's, I find it There's always good ones pulled out of there, but part of the challenge, I think, has to do with it being done for a live audience, but you're not there as the live but audience. But you're not, yes. Oh, a thousand percent, yes. Where, like, it'd probably be all right if you're there with a live audience. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. like, having that experience and stuff. And then, plus, they're very much about, like, you stick to the script. Like, you gotta stick to the script and just stick to what they're what you're saying, which is why, uh, spe- speaking, uh, we were talking a little bit about Andy Samberg before this, uh, but speaking of Andy Samberg, I really think what happened when they got the Lonely Island writers on SNL um, when they started those digital shorts, I think all of those are always pretty refreshing to watch because they're not yeah. made for a live audience. They are made, they're edited comedy that I think works because SNL does like edited sketch comedy in a means that they normally don't do, which is why I usually yeah. like look at those as like a highlight for it. But comedy is one of those things that is so hard to get right. Um, and it's also one of those things like I can imagine and I feel like we've had this before you showing me a sketch from, I think you should leave. And then you, you it's like your favorite sketch. And then you're watching me watching it, hoping just hoping that it connects, that yeah. it connects with me. And it just, sometimes it just doesn't work that way. And that's always like one of the most demoralizing things when you love a, a TV show or a comedy and like someone is just like not feeling it and you know, it's they're like, not feeling this isn't it. Funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but I think you should leave season three is out now. And I would highly recommend it. I uh, giggled and gaffed. And <laughs> d- dude, I, this was so weird, man. I like Josh, my roommate, came home from the gym to see me sitting on the couch watching television. What? Which never, like, he's like, Are, Are you okay? You all right, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, literally never. Um, <laughs> so, so there you go. I think you should leave season three, recommend it. Uh, but also like if you don't like it you, like uh, that's uh, like what you're saying though is is legit though of like it won't be for everyone because it can't be this is how humor works and comedy works but like i think for the people who it does land with it's like whoa yeah, yeah <laughs> i did yeah. not know that you could do this like it is so out there and funny but um that is the one tv recommendation you're ever gonna get from me it's at box Welcome back to Hitbox, episode number 147. And all right, I lied. I would also recommend, uh, I've recommended anime before. Like, sorry, in terms of like TV recommendations. Um, Chainsaw Man season one's pretty good. Um, I think, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a red-blooded American. I liked Breaking Bad. My name is Peter Hansbitzik, and joining me as always is my wonderful friend and co-host, Justin Makovich. Justin, it's good to see you. How are you doing, man? It's doing good. Uh, I, it's doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, have you have you better watched? Uh, wa- Jesus, my words. Have you seen? <laughs> it's better called Saul. I've seen better, the first episode. You better better call it, better call. It's better better call Saul. Better call Saul. Have you seen Better Call Saul? I've seen the first episode. Okay, uh, uh, when it when it like came out, and then I heard it's even better than Breaking Bad. But my problem is. It's a long TV show. It's it's really hard to do that. Um, yeah. So just it's not something I have a lot of time. We for, have this thing like I'm like my wife and I have a, a list of shows that we're waiting to watch together. Yeah. Um, and like it's not like 
I probably wouldn't watch them if it wasn't for the fact that we we're going to watch them together. Cause it's just like, sometimes it's like, Oh yeah, we're, we're going to watch the show together. Like it, it's like, I had a list of like four shows. I was like, I was like, which one of these can I watch or which one do we want to watch together? And she's like, Oh, you can watch the Barry. She's like, you can watch Barry. And I was like, all right, great. Yeah. I can watch Barry. And then it was just like, I don't think I want to watch Barry. <laughs> like really? It's really good. I'm like, I'm sure it's good. Like it's, it, it's just like the commitment to sitting down and watching that show yes. is the hard yes. part about it. So like, I like having this ambiguous list of things we will watch that eventually just, I never watch. like had maiden's tales, like one of those that we're always like, yeah, we'll watch it. And then it's like, ah, but we'll want this like super stuff like that though. Depressing, right? hard rea- look into the mirror of reality. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, it's just like, is this the mood we're trying to set for the night? Or like, I'm trying to relax right now, man. Like, this is the last thing I'm going to watch before I go to bed. I like, No, thank you. I've recently been watching uh, Bad Batch season two while I've been playing oh, okay. Zelda. And yep. uh, I yesterday watched it without Zelda in my hand for the first time all for the whole season on episode like six or seven. And I was watching okay. it being like, I legitimately have no clue what's happening in this because <laughs> I was playing <laughs> Zelda, so I wasn't paying any attention to it. So yeah. uh, Zelda, not really a game that I would call a podcasting game, even though I thought it would be. But it's like one of those games I'm constantly thinking about. So I yeah. kind of got to rewatch Bad Batch season two because I hear it starts slow, gets good. I am at the slow part still, but maybe it's just because I don't know what's going on. That is potentially true, Justin. I'm going to give you a preview of the video game news that we're going to talk about coming up. Even Arcane hated Redfall, according to a new report. A brand new first-party Nintendo game was announced, apropos of nothing. And Final Fantasy VII Rebirth will have a story. Shock. All of those stories and more are coming up. Before we get to them, though, I want to tell you to join our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of the episode. You can find that Um on your podcast player of choice where it would really help us out if you gave us a review or rating. Uh, I know Spotify does a rating. Apple Podcasts does a review slash rating. Whatever you want, that five-star review rating uh, does help us out a lot, though, in having more people see this. If you feel generous and want to support us monetarily, patreon.com slash hitboxpod. You can find two different tiers of donation levels, $1 podcast producers and $3 deluxe podcast producers like Jay Knoll and Dave Parker. Every single week, those deluxe podcast producers get an additional 30-minute bonus episode. Um, This week, what is the thing we're talking about? Oh, we're talking about phones, Um, which is going to be kind of interesting because I write about phones during the day for my job. Surprise! (laughs) And... um, I'm going to be interested to talk about that with you because I don't really like talk about it out loud ever just because I just don't. <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's just, who, do I, who am I going to talk to phone, with about phones with? <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, so if you are interested in that and the rest of our additional bonus content, uh, I think at this point there are 49 episodes or maybe it's 50. Um, all of that will be there for you should you do decide to join. If not, all good. You can also support us by following us on Twitter. That's at HitboxPod. You can find a, a, that, tweet at us, DM us, whatever you want, whether it's thought about the episode, uh, thoughts about the episode, or um, just random shit. All right? Anything. I, I want to hear from you is what I'm trying to say. Um, Dustin, do you want to talk about the games that came out this week? Let's do it. Metacritic Roundup. Just one game in the Metacritic Roundup this week. We got Amnesia the Bunker. 
Um, have you ever played Amnesia, Justin? I played any like, of the Amnesia games. I played like the first one a little bit. Uh, I got uh, at one Steam sale. It must have been like maybe a humble bundle I had. Yeah, okay. Uh, like the original one was in it, and it was like you know one of those that it, you're not supposed to look at the bad guy, otherwise your your mental health deteriorates. And yeah. then I the, ran into the bad guy, and my actual mental health deteriorated, not just the game mechanic because I don't like them spooky scary games. Guy. Yeah. Um, so th- so I played it very, very, very lightly, but good old survival horror game. Yeah. Can't go and wrong with that. Amnesia the Bunker on PC has scored an a-, a 78. It is unscored on the Xbox Series X. Unsc- oh, and on PS4, it has a 75. Oh. And it is unscored on the Xbox One. Um, unclear if there is a PS5 version of this game coming out. Um, but it seems like this is, from what it seems like, Everyone's saying it is a lot more uh, of sort of that first, that amnesia flavor, um, where it's like you've got these physics-based puzzles, and it's spooky, you know? Um, This one is set in World War I, I believe. Favorite war. um, Which is interesting, because I I feel like maybe now we're getting a little bit more of it, but I I feel like in general there's just like not a ton of media representation of World War I. Uh, because I think it's a little bit more complicated to explain. Do you know what I mean? Like, World War II, I think, is is pretty cut and dry. Like, these are the Nazis and they are the bad guys. You know what I mean? Um, and and explaining, like, well, in World War One, it was kind of kind of messy. <laughs> and, like, like, it was all about, like, land stuff and France Ferdinand? Let me tell you, the real thing, it was about Germany wanting to become an international power and the rest of the international powers being like, Germany, we don't want you. And then Germany being like, oh, you don't want us? Fine, we're going to support people who will. And what Germany basically, I don't care what anyone else says, this is how I read the war, Germany fought the entire world by themselves and all of their allies were idiots and really made it very difficult on them. And even with all of that, them fighting the war on their own, they still like held their own and like basically like decided to end the stalemate themselves. It's a very fascinating war. It's the only time in in history where you had people in armor going against people with machine guns. Um, oh yeah, I think we've talked about this. Yeah, it's it's. Re- I think when with that Ubisoft game. Yeah, Valiant Hearts. Valiant Hearts. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, World War One is 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 a very very interesting war to study. And like obviously, like people say, like World War Two. That's the that's the good versus evil thing. But you don't have World War Two without World War One and how it all started. Um, and I feel like whenever you're in history class, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, so there was World War One, uh, you know that 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 was a thing, right? But then World War Two, oh, 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 yeah. you know, like you spent all the time on that. But um, yeah, anyway, the, the a game set in World War One. I'm already interested with this, and I think a horror game, especially, it sounds kind of interesting. Uh, Frictional Games they made the, obviously the Amnesia series, but then they've also made um, what was that game called? Penumbra, I think was it, it was called, Penumbra. which did have combat. Combat is back in this game, but. It, from what it seems like in the reviews say like you can fight but like it's uh, it's not gonna go your way best way right? to, to describe the game it's alien isolation in world war one yeah 
in a bunker. Um, so there's like one creature that is like constantly pursuing you. There's like a safe room in the middle where you're safe. Maybe at a certain point you're not, who knows? Uh, yeah. but then you have to like kind of go out into this bunker, um, and you get to explore it. It's a pretty like massive bunker. I think you are very, like you have very little direction with what to do. It's a lot of just like exploring and solving little puzzles here and there while trying to avoid this creature that is always coming at you that you can't kill. You can interrupt and, and make upset with uh, and, uh, scare them off for a little bit, but, um, yeah, I think it looks like a, an interesting little game. And I think, you know, the score for a horror game like that, eh, it makes sense. I feel like horror, because it is so specific, like similar to comedy, like it's going to land differently with everyone. I think a score like this is, is pretty good yeah. uh, uh, for, for something like this. Uh, and, and a lot of people are saying like, hey, this is the best Amnesia game since The Dark Descent, which was the one that like I think was the first one and it, like it blew up the series and everything like that. Um because we got Machine for Pigs, but that was not handled by Frictional Games. And then we got um, Broken, uh, uh, Rebirth, which I think came out last year, maybe the year before, which was received okay. But um, I don't know. This kind of looks like my like my jam a little bit. Like I like Alien Isolation and, and whatever, but similar to like what we were just talking about with like um, stressful TV shows. I don't know if this is what I'm going to want to do to rewind, uh, like unwind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I, I know that people like amnesia fans are, are excited for this. You know what I mean? I, um, I think it's like game pass too, right? Is it amnesia bunker game pass? Um, uh, yes, it will be available June 6th. Well, now that's the question. Is that should I be picking that up? You could. I mean, no. it's it, it's on Game Pass. I mean, for yeah. me, for me, that screams my October spooky game thing. That might be a spooky game I I try out in October. That is actually super fair. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Ooh. Maybe not. Maybe we'll revisit that in October, and and talk about it. I like that. Or I can't imagine it's super long, right? Uh, it's like eight hours. Yeah. So like that seems bite sized enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, like, am I going to we'll finish that. it? You know what I mean? Yeah, just we play enough to we'll talk get, about get, it. And get then... a taste. Get a taste of yeah, that World yeah, War One. Yeah. So there you go. That's Amnesia the Bunker. Um, yeah, maybe stay tuned for that. To be honest, I don't hate that idea. There so you go. Put a pin in that. Boop. And then when October comes, we're going to be like, playing what Alan we Wake we're too. Do? And I'll be like, probably just playing Alan Wake, yeah. right? That's kind of, that's going to kind of take up October, I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, Justin, that, that's it for the Metacritic Roundup. You want to talk about the news? Let's go! Do it! You shook it, you shook it up on me. I forgot, to be I honest. I shook myself earlier uh, when I was, like, doing the, like, join the Discord, you know, you know, Patreon stuff. I did it, like, out of order, and I completely fumbled myself. Like I was like, yeah. no reason for me to have done this. I don't like. I didn't go off of the sheet. Why did I do it like that? Um, anyway, uh, here's the big thing. <laughs> here's the big thing. You remember Redfall, the game we talked about like I don't know, three weeks ago, um, that we've all just sort of tried to forget about and not think about. Well, according to a new report from I think Bloomberg, yeah, um, from Jason Schreier, 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 Schreier. I've never heard him say it before. Who's to say? Um, apparently, Arcane, uh, they knew it was no good, which is 
generally how making a bad game goes um, <laughs> and that they sort of hoped that xbox would cancel it when xbox picked it up uh with the zenimax deal they had been working on it for i think one or two years at that point uh when when the deal went through to, for when x when microsoft bought zenimax um which all you know they're under that umbrella so um they were hoping that like okay xbox is going to come in and see this and and cancel it and then that did not happen <laughs> um and and they talked about i think the the whole report is actually kind of interesting uh did you did you get a chance to read it you're I, yeah i don't have bloomberg so i did not get a chance to read it gotcha well um, basically, they it, it talks a lot about how some of the reason that they had some development issues was because any uh, staff that they were hiring on were excited to be working on an arcane game. And then when they found out, oh, we're working on a multiplayer game, um, they would lose people pretty quickly because it's just not what arcane is known for. You know what I mean? And, and um, it, it's, it was hard as well to get people... Um, like the the proper multiplayer people that they needed because the game was a secret up until what like 2021 or 2022 something like that you know so basically because the game was a secret they couldn't say hey we're arcane and we are hiring for redfall a game about like like that at its core is a multiplayer experience kind of like you know this this game or that game so they couldn't find the right people to work on it because the people who were going to be able to work on live service games or like multiplayer games like that probably aren't going to be signing up to work at arcane because it's just not where they're like experience you know what i mean you yeah, know what i'm trying to say yeah like the venn diagram of like people who are going to work at arcane and people who've worked on like far cry or something like that it like it's just not like a great fit you know what i mean and because it was secret like that there was just issues with that um and then on top of that they it talks about how there was some corporate issues as well which is par for the course with these sort of things where basically like people from the top would say stuff like um, you know what? Let's make a game kind of like Far Cry, and they're like, okay. And so then, you know, a month later, they're like, and and like if we're making a game kind of like a Borderlands, where like if you don't know those games, superficially they might seem pretty similar, right? Like open world shooter, like similar enough. But when it comes down to like the actual mechanics and like what those games are about, like in terms of like the the loop, you know, Borderlands is kind of a looter shooter where like the loot that you're getting is like really important and you're constantly switching stuff out. And like the big main attraction of that, those sorts of games are like getting cool, weird loot. You know what I mean? A gun that shoots other guns or whatever. Whereas uh, Far Cry, not really like that. Like, yeah, you can upgrade your stuff, but you're not like constantly picking up new weapons and, and having new loot and stuff like that. Cause I think Far Cry, like, even though it's, I would say like a Far Cry from LOL, even though it is not really an immersive sim, you could sort of see how it could be seen as one. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah. So it, apparently there were there were issues in terms of like uh, corporate not having a vision and just saying like, make games like this. And they're like, well, you just sort of listed two different types of games. Um, that makes sense to me. This game felt like it didn't have a, like all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like it doesn't have a clear vision and like it didn't have like people who knew how multiplayer needed to work working on it and like all that sort of stuff. Um. What how does that make you feel? Yeah. What do you think about that? I think first of all like just because you have a good game company doesn't mean you can suddenly start making these live service games. Like yes. I mean you have the studio that um I mean they made Prey, correct? Yep. Uh they made Dishonored. Dishonored. Yep. 
they didn't make I mean part of their studios did um what what was the one? Their Arcane Austin made yeah. Redfall yeah. and Prey and Dishonored. The other Arcane, I think my, uh uh the what's the one French city or like European city that all the studios are from? Like Dan uh the other one the other made, one Red, uh, made uh, why can't Death I think Loop. of the name? Yeah, Deathloop. Um, and Dishonored 2, I think. So, like, you have, like, these people who are energized making those types of games, and, like, all of a sudden it's like we're going to completely change because we're following the money. We're following, yeah. like, what kind of games are popular. And then all of a sudden you have a bunch of people who are like, well, I'm not, this isn't what I want to do. It's not my vision. And then you have people constantly changing what their vision is, trying to, like, do it. So, like, it's not like they come up with this idea being like, this is the game we're going to make. We want to make this game. It was like, ooh, let's try to follow this. Ooh, what if we turn it to this? Ooh, how about, what if we did this? And it's like, it never had its, like, feet set to begin with. And then it clearly shows that by the end product, its feet still weren't set. <laughs> well, and, and I, like, I don't know how to make video games. Right. Apparently, it is very difficult. And I, like, I bet it's very difficult, right? And if the end result is a moving target of just, like, Oh, we're going for this. And eh, now we're kind of going for this. And yeah. eh, now we're kind of going for this. Like every single thing needs to be in place. If you were want to make a game that feels complete, right. And feels like a realized vision. Like it all needs to be there. And, um, yeah, this game feels like it's not, it wasn't right. And, and now stories behind the scenes are already right after just what, like two, three, four weeks of being re- released. Um, it, it is clear that that was simply not the case. But um, I I, feel, I find it like interesting about how like people inside of the studio wanted Microsoft to cancel it, and I it's interesting because you're Microsoft, you're coming in. What do you do? Like, how do you deal with the situation? Because this game was already being worked on before like the acquisition came in. They get yeah. this game that that comes in the studio. It's floundering. They must have known it's floundering. You would hope. I mean, I guess it depends on, like, who's saying that they were wishing it was canceled, right? I've worked on projects that I didn't like before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Right? And, and my, like, my whole thing, like, if, and I could be like, eh, scrap it. Like, who cares, right? Um, but, you know, maybe my boss didn't feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, maybe the, the director had a vision for it, right? And, like, was, you know what I'm trying to say? And, and so when the, they came in and talked to the studio about, like, you know, how can we support you? How can we do whatever? Which I imagine they did. Um, uh, th- that Like, those people who were saying, like, maybe this shouldn't happen just weren't in the room or didn't feel comfortable saying so or, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. t- I guess it's tough to say, but... I would, yeah, I, it just makes me wonder... Again, like Microsoft coming in, getting Activision Blizzard and everything like that. Like, it's not like Microsoft is this big fixer of bad companies, like, or like fixing bad projects or fixing bad work cultures. Because to me, this seems like it's a dysfunction in a work culture. Anytime you have more than half of your staff leave after a project or during a project, to me, that that screams dysfunction. And Microsoft came in and wasn't able to fix it at that moment. I'm sure there'll be some changes now. But like this, this thought that like it's it's a weird place for Microsoft because they're trying to buy these studios, but like they also want to make sure they keep them like being able to work on their own projects. They're not micromanaging, but also like people are like, well, they're going to fix the bad culture at Activision Blizzard, right? It's Microsoft. It's a big company. I don't know. It just makes me feel less confident in Microsoft as being this big conglomerate of success 
in the video games industry. Yeah, because and we've talked about this too, right? Like Microsoft's big thing, at least the way it seems, is like we're going to buy this company and we're going to let you make what you want to make and we're going to be hands off. You do whatever, right? Yeah. Which, as you're saying, like to your point, is like, okay, but Activision Blizzard does not need a hands-off management approach right, to fix need, the issue. They need hands-on, like, re- right. complete, like, gutting of that system and, and restructure and whatever, right? Like, it's not even a thing you can really, like, fix by firing a few people. Like, you have to, like, like restructure and do all that sort of stuff. And if Microsoft isn't the company that's going to be doing that, like, then you're totally right. Like, I don't know if this gives me, like, a whole lot of hope that they're going to be some bastion of like <laughs> yeah of the, of the people of, of the people actually working on the games right um and, and especially it, when you've got people like like i don't know if you I, we don't have this in the in the doc so i don't know if, how deeply we want to talk about it like especially when you've got like bobby Kotick being like coming out and, and i don't remember exactly what he said uh specifically but he was in the news recently for just saying like essentially like yeah it's not really a problem yeah <laughs> like, like and, fuck off, and i want to be like uh bobby uh bobby uh kodak how much is a gallon of milk today like how much if you had to guess yeah just if, or, if, no not guess like what do you cause yeah like you buy milk yeah right, right? like you and then his response would be like do you, is it like oat milk we're talking about or like a soy based do you, do you remember in arrested development when wow this is a tv heavy episode um, <laughs> who would have thought hitbox <laughs> when um lucille bluth is like go buy a banana michael what'll it cost eight dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, um yeah but yeah i think i think to, to me part of it seems unfair that microsoft gets blamed for redfall for like a blight on them but also yeah, they but were also, like I do get yeah it. they like, were also steering the ship at the at a certain point but oh man but like the good thing is that like uh people knew Redfall was bad um except for VGC which I can't believe I was looking at reviews VGC which I I think has a lot of good news they gave it a four out of five. Oh shit! When you said they gave it a four you thought on out of this 10, doc, right? I nope. thought like out of ten yeah four, four out of five how did that slip through like I, when when even for me when i was like not necessarily hating the game for that first like two hours i played of it there's no yeah. way i would look at that game and be like "Ooh, this is like this is like pretty good you know what i mean it's pretty good my my oh my gosh like, yeah the the block quote here it says as an open world co-op shooter redfall is a refreshing entry into the genre that more or less hits all the right notes but by its very nature the storytelling has to be more immediate and linear and chaos reigns without a save slash load system to control it yeah it's it, this is a bad game right <laughs> this is a bad game yeah not, not lord of the rings um, golem bad but no it, i guess no, not quite. a bad game but and you know, uh, I'll also say this: this reviewer who reviewed this, um, Jordan Oleman, uh, is obviously entitled to their opinion. And sometimes your taste is different than you know what I mean. Like, yeah, whatever. I'm not gonna lose fucking sleep over this. Um, and like, this review is also like totally valid. Like, whatever. Um, but wow. <laughs> Oof. Um, let's not talk about Redfall though. Let's talk about. Uh, a, a, a big successful company that's in everyone's good graces right now nintendo yeah everyone uh, loves nintendo it. hot off the heels of the release of you know the Z- legend of zelda tears of the kingdom everyone's like 
what are you going to do next? Obviously, we know Pikmin 4 is coming later this year, uh, later this summer even. Um, Nintendo comes out here and sort of unceremoniously just like announces on a Thursday night. Uh, so maybe it was like daytime in Japan, but they go, uh, guess what, y'all? We're dropping everybody 1-2 Switch, which is the sequel to the game 1-2 Switch, which was a Switch launch game, which just sort of like showed you what the Switch could do. It was kind of like a Wii Sports thing. It was not a pack-in game, though. It cost $50. I believe I watched you purchase it for $50 you, you did. for your bachelor party. And, and the you know, 10 minutes we got out of it, I would not regret that. I will not regret that. And plus, I was I like, it was kind of fun. this is a wedding expense. This is not coming out of my actual budget. You know what I mean? Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so everybody 1-2 Switch is just a sequel to it. Um, is it's a sequel to the first game. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. Like, so in the image that they have for one, two switch, you've got a guy in a rubber horse mask holding a joy con up. And then in his other hand, he's got a phone. And so on the left side of the image, you've got everyone has joy cons and it looks like they're holding it in a fun little way. Like they're using the motion control or something. And then everyone on the right side of the image is holding up a phone, like above their heads, like they're filming or something like that. Did the first game have like phone like capabilities? I guess I only played it for the five minutes we did. No, the the big difference about this game is it's going much more. The pitch for it was it's going much more off of like the Jackbox kind of games. Um, Okay. And I'm going to pull some quotes from an article on Fanbyte that came out last year almost a year ago from today ah, yes. june 7th I like, 2022 still <laughs> i know right um <laughs> by imran khan um and he says the inspiration came from jackbox games developers of the jackbox party pack series games like you don't know jack fibbage quiplash and the like are popular at parties inspiring the everybody's one two switch team to establish a game show like theme with a host and more participants as opposed to the original game setup of having two users with the Joy-Con each going up against each other. Everybody wants to switch had many more players at once with the use of smartphones. Ooh, ah, the game could have <laughs> lobbies as big as 100 players. Thus the name, Everybody Want to Switch. Is it got you going? Uh, I mean, like, I, I'll say this. I like a good party game. Oh, yeah. I like a good Jackbox game. But Justin... Is this the same article that says that Nintendo, uh, like, just didn't scrap the game, but, like, shelved it because all the playtesters said this is not fun? Yeah, yeah, he said the idea on paper was solid, but it tested horribly. When playtesting groups received the game, the feedback to the development team was brutal. The target audience Nintendo was hoping to hit, families with children, found the game boring. Many didn't even want to play through entire rounds. In the bingo example, one player would use the Joy-Con to mime, digging out a number before reading it off the TV screen. A process that playtesters reported as tedious. Wow. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. So they're selling this for 30 bucks. It's not going to be $50 like the original. This is a 30 buck sort of half-priced game. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll see. There's not even a trailer for this. It was just so that they were just like, this is coming. I, I wonder if it's just one of those, like, well, we have this on the shelf. Let's just, like, just get it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got, we've got Zelda. Everyone's playing that. And we've got Pikmin coming up. Everyone's going to play that later. Like, you know, so, so. I don't I don't know about all this. I don't know about this. 
Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, like, you know, obviously we haven't played it, but that playtesting stuff is, is kind of interesting just because, like, Nintendo does make good party games. I mean, like, you look at any of, like, the Mario Party games, right, of, like, Mario Party or Mario Kart or whatever, like, those, like, are, are good party fun. You look at something like, um, um, I, I just have another example, and I've totally lost it. They know what to do. They know how to make party games is what I'm trying to say. Um, and it, it's just wild that... <laughs> that they just don't have it for, for this, but I, I guess we'll see how it goes. It's coming out June 30th. So that is at the end of this month. Um, I, I, I'm curious uh, is what I'm trying I'm to say. I'm not curious or going to play it because I'm assuming it's going to be what pretty it bad, is. Right? It's pretty, be pretty, pretty bad. bad. Um, and maybe, maybe for someone else's bachelor party, I can purchase that game just for the laughs. <laughs> Perfect. I, I, here, I'll get married, and then you can... The only reason. You can You'd be that. like, yeah. honey, I love you, but the only reason I'm doing this is so we could get everybody one, two, switch. Just going to be straight up honest with you. That's how honest our relationship is. We're just going to have so much fun yeah. p- uh, pretending to milk a cow and doing the whole Wild West shootout one. <laughs> like, there was, like, a yoga one. doesn't matter. Um, Square Enix, Justin. We know them. We love them. They're responsible for the Final Fantasy series, among other things. Um, we got Final Fantasy 16 coming out later this month, but uh, right now their marketing focus is not necessarily marketing focus, but um, they've been doing some marketing regarding Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, um, which is the sequel to Final Fantasy 7 Remake, the second game in this sort of remake trilogy of Final Fantasy 7. Um, and so basically, over the past few days, they've been um, posting these like Q and A, basically one question every day with an answer from like the developers. Um, and so there has been some interesting insight, s- such as um, they said that you don't have to have played Final Fantasy VII Remake in order to enjoy Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Now, that's like a pretty typical thing that, that studios will say, because like, you know, frequently you don't. Like oftentimes you can just sort of pick right up, um, pick a game up even if it's a sequel just because like, you know, games do it enough of a sort of recap or or have enough of a contained story to be enjoyable um but to my understanding it seems like this is pretty like it's a pretty direct it seems like it should be a pretty direct sequel to the events of the first one right uh yeah i think so like yeah yeah like this is a little surprising is what i'm trying to say right yeah i think it seems i'm just interested to see where they're they're going with all of this stuff Okay. Like it, it is a significant jump from the original story as of where the game ends. So like mm. seeing how it's going to change, like, like honestly, it could be a completely different game. The way that game ends. Can I spoil the end of Final Fantasy seven? You know, it's interesting, Justin. I've been sort of holding off on looking at any sort of spoilers because I've been saying like, I'll get back to it. It has been three full years. So Go right ahead. Incoming Final Fantasy VII Remake spoilers. So in the original game, the first three hours of the games takes place in Midgar, and it yeah. ends with you kind of leaving Midgar. Um, nothing special happening. It's the basically the exposition of the game. In the remake, they completely made the opening area, the Midgar area, its full game, including a final boss of the titular villain, not titular, that's the title, of the villain Sephiroth. It ends with a boss battle, 
a mm-hmm. world-ending boss battle with Sephiroth, who is the final boss of the first game, of the original game. So you end with a full-on boss fight in which yeah. you discover that the events that happened in the original Final Fantasy game with the fact that you were a brainwashed soldier who brainwashed, who like basically took place of this guy, Zack, who died, you find out Zack is alive in this game. Huh. And it is like a complete shift with what is going to happen next. Hmm. In a very unique and interesting way that, as someone who's played the original game, likes the story a lot, I think it's a great story, it is where it's going next, I have no clue. And in fact, knowing where the game goes, I don't think that really helps anyone know where the game is going to go next. Because what's going to happen when Cloud meets this person that he's impersonating? Interesting. Okay. And and again, it is significant enough that I think the first game ends, you have these people who escaped Midgar, who fought this final boss, who are yeah. now out trying to find out what to do next, how to save the world. The game could kind of stand on its own. It could be its own little thing, even though it's kind of weird Final Fantasy VII Rebirth in a certain way. And I think the title is pretty telling because you have come out of this uh, that's maybe a bit graphic to not I'm gonna the way I was gonna word that. But like you were literally the the world and the story is reborn in a way that we weren't expecting. And, Interesting. Okay. Um where it's gonna go, like there's what is the most iconic moment from Final Fantasy VII, the original? Aerith being stabbed. Right. What's gonna happen now? Is that gonna happen I again? See. Interesting. Is what's gonna happen with the Zack character? Um, who is also the main character of Crisis Core. I did know that. Yeah. And, and I guess that makes sense now, because I've never played the original, right? Um, it makes sense, because I'm like, Square Enix, you couldn't design two characters? <laughs> <laughs> they look the same. Well, it ba- basically, it's... Because <laughs> they're supposed to be? Like, part of, the, part of the thing is that Cloud gets brainwashed. He's a normal guy who gets brainwashed into thinking he's the Zack character. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it's, it's done really well in the original game, yeah. And it's also happening in this game, but then the person you can you imagine like the person you're in person that's my sword. <laughs> like, what's that scene going to be like? So <laughs> there's so many cool and more interesting ways that I think this can go. Um, and plus, I'm I'm still a firm believer that Cloud has more in common with uh, Tifa than he has in common with Aerith anyway. And that relationship never really works to me because Aerith always thinks or Aerith Aerith Aerith. I think it's Aerith in the remake, but I think it was Aerith in the original but it was Aerith in the Japanese version because I think I think they're going with Aerith because part of the reason Aerith likes Cloud is because Cloud looks like Zack <laughs> oh really yeah <laughs> because well, he doesn't even really look like him he just wears the same outfit yeah and it's like you have this person who comes in like well you're kind of acting like my my boyfriend I'm kind of confused here so like it never really works to me as that being something that you can ship as a relationship because you have sure, the people sure. out there like Team Aerith over Tifa and I'm like what whatever in canon Cloud and Aerith would have never gotten together because it's weird. Yeah, interesting. But anyway, I'm well, so makes, I'm that's... so excited about what what it's going to go and where it's going to go. Well, Justin, good news for you. Uh it will have a story. <gasps> okay. Believe it or not. So basically, in these uh, <laughs> Square Enix confirmed uh, in these, uh, uh, how do you call them? Like 
these like Q&A things that they've been doing. And developer comment number three tweeted on June 4th, so yesterday. Um, they answered this question. The question is this. What are some of the key things to look forward to in the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth story? Answer. Players will witness a chain of narrative developments that lie at the very heart of the Final Fantasy VII story while discovering each character's destiny. So it's just, it, what a hysterical way to say, you're gonna, there's a story, a chain of events, a chain of narrative developments. You mean just a reg, there's a story, which is like, well, we hoped so. We figured as much, but. Gotta love, gotta love AI generated tweets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it kind of reads like, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so, uh, they also said that they're still trying to figure out a release date because we know that it, they said winter 2023, which could be December. It could be February of 2024. And your boy's really said, like, hoping it's December. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, believe, I mean, like they also said they're, they're still on track for winter. I think it's so, the last yes. I heard of it. Um, yes. with all this stuff. So, uh, I mean, like, could you imagine, could you. I've got a question for you. If you're a Square Enix, I, I guess we're not business people, so who's to say how this would work? But like, if you're a Square Enix, would you want a year where you've got Final Fantasy 16 and Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth? Um, no. I guess, yeah. Well, no, I don't know. I mean, it, it probably would cost a lot for them to be sitting on something that's done to a certain degree. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure they've kind of mapped this stuff out. I, I still, I mean, Final Fantasy 7 came out in 2020. Yes, it did. Like and February. having, you know, but three years later, a new large sequel coming out seems to be a little impro- like not likely to happen to begin with. And I know they're like, sure. well, you know, same assets, blah, blah, blah. But like even then, like it just seems like that's a that's a short turnaround for something um, that is new in a lot of ways. So I would assume that it's not they're not going to rush it out to be in this fiscal year because why like they're already gonna have a good fiscal year anyway but also the fiscal yeah. year ends in what march i think march so i think it's gonna be when, hitting that in winter when is winter yeah so who knows <sighs> maybe winter is, yeah i don't know yeah it, it, it'll be it'll be one of those things but i don't think they're gonna rush it out to get it out this year um and i don't think they need to and i don't think no no they, i don't they, think like if they ship something that's like not finished right that's a big deal. Oh, what yeah. are you saying and i don't think it benefits them too yeah. Uh, at all, because they're going to be, you know, it w- it's going to suck when one of your game loses game of the year to Zelda. Why, why not two of them? You know what I mean? Like, that's probably got to be the worst thing. Fair point. <laughs> um, no, that, I think I think that's a very fair point. But I hope um, it comes out in December. For your for your. No, for for me playing team. it. Oh, also, just to play. Yeah, it. because I am. Oh, that is better for you. What? Like in your life. Yeah, well, no, it's just, it's just like a February release. I'm thinking about December and like games that are coming out. Spider-Man will be beaten by then and playing this in December yeah. would be great. And plus, yeah, you're right. January, February are some of the worst months to play a game when it comes out like this that I just want to kind of yeah. like melt into. Um, and this year, uh, there's I don't have this wedding thing going on, so I won't be able to melt. Oh, yeah. I know. One and done with me. I'm happy with the one wedding I have. I'm never doing it again. Oh, good. Congratulations. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I made a choice. Um, I made I've decided it's. You know, <laughs> God, good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. Um, Justin, cloud gaming is has been sort of a topic of conversation. Are we talking recently. about Zach? Just because Zach or cloud? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, cloud is in playing video games over the cloud, not playing video games 
with the cloud got it, from got Final it. Fantasy VII. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm all ears um, now. I'm, I'm in it. Yeah, that was confusing. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, cloud gaming has been sort of a big talking point recently because um, Ex- the Activision Blizzard deal with with Microsoft got shut down by the EU, um, or was it England? No, it was it was the CMA, which is the English. I think it was England didn't want it, but the EU was fine with it. Basically, the 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 board that didn't want the deal um, cited Xbox's cloud gaming, uh, a stake in cloud gaming being the uh, basically saying like you guys have too much control over the space, and if you get this, you'll have even more control over that space, um, and. Last week or the week before, with the PlayStation Showcase that we got, um, Jim Ryan showed off the, what is it, like Project X or something like that, um, which was the, uh, it, it's like their their cloud gaming handheld device that's like a dual, uh, dual sense controller split in the middle with a screen. Um, and yet, despite the fact that they just announced that they have a... Cl- Cloud handheld gaming hardware coming out. Uh, Sony's chief executive, uh, Kenichiro Yoshida, said that um, there are still a lot of issues to be ironed out with cloud gaming. And uh, here's a direct quote. He, he said this in an interview with Financial Times. Um, I, think cloud, it, I think cloud itself is an amazing business model. But when it comes to games, the technical difficulties are high. So there will be challenges to cloud gaming, but we will want to take on those challenges. And he said that, like, well, sorry, I think that's interesting that he would come out and say, like, it sounds like like it's going to be very difficult, but we're you know willing to try to try. But it's just interesting that he would come out and say something like that right on the heels of the announcement of this new gaming hardware for them that is cloud based. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think to me, the idea of remote play is technically cloud, but that's more st- that that's not quite i think the full story with cloud gaming to a certain degree because i think the the dream of cloud gaming is that it is something that you don't need to be connected to your system for the idea of wait is go on the idea of cloud gaming is more about the the you get it from just the 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 stadia type of world you get it from a yeah. supercomputer in a different place the remote play streams from your playstation is the device that they just announced, was that not a cloud gaming thing? I think it's a remote play thing. Oh, so then I'm totally wrong. But no, I don't think you're wrong because I think this is part of their long-term strategy about how to get games mobily in a very simple way without having a full dedicated like console for it. And I know you're like, wait a second, this controller thing with the streaming for the remote play, that's also technically its own console, but not really because it's an extension of it. And that yeah. same uh, article on VGC kind of goes on to talk about how uh, we observe mobility and gaming habits to be an increasingly important trend, and the cloud will be fundamental to allowing us or indeed anybody else to exploit this trend. First of all, exploit. I hate using that word when you're thinking about it's trends. Rough, it's a rough word when you're um, talking about like but products. Like think about like the data and stuff like that. Like they would not be coming out with this remote play if they did not see people using remote play. That's fair. And like it, to, they clearly know the data about people who are using remote play. It's something yeah. that I use a lot, not for every game, but something that sometimes it's nice. Uh, I was cleaning up Jedi Survivor um, over the weekend a couple times. 
just wanted to be able to watch something on the actual TV, pulled out my phone, was able to play that while I was going on. Didn't have very mm -hmm. many issues with it, except every time I had to tap the damn screen to get the map was pretty fucking annoying. <laughs> Six different taps <laughs> yeah, to, get it, to, like, to, yeah, get, yeah. to get it right or whatever. Um, but I mean, there is a lot of work to do, but I, it's interesting how they are aggressively going forward with trying to do this. And I think part of it is not only to compete with Microsoft. I don't think it's about competing with Microsoft. I think it's about looking forward at what the trends of gaming are. Um, and being able to give people games wherever they are in a way that works. And going back to Stadia, always shocked at how great Stadia worked. Yeah. The issues with Stadia had to do with my internet connection, not with the Stadia games. And I think going back to Cyberpunk, being able to, the best place to play Cyberpunk at launch was on Stadia because they had the computer for it. They had the place to stream uh, it perfectly. Um, and can you imagine like any game you wanted, no matter what your system is, you were able to stream having, you know, good performance on that. Like that is going to open up gaming to so many people in ways that they can't now. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's an interesting move by them incremental step, but I still isn't th don't think this is going to suddenly make that cloud game there, the remote play device thing. Uh, it's not going to solve that issue. <laughs> No, I, I think that's fair. Is there a, so who knows? Is there a price that, point for you in which you would buy that? No, I have a backbone. That's true. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, like not really. Um, I mean, I guess yes, five dollars. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> and there's always yeah, there's always a price. I would say if it's but like where is it going to be for you? Where where you would be consider buying? If that? it was similar to uh, the backbone price, um, I think bucks? I, I think I would I would do it. Um, I, I, this is going to sound like a, the first world of the first world is problems. It's kind of annoying to have my phone attached to the thing I'm playing uh, remote play. No, with. a thousand percent. Um, and also the fact that you, you can't have a case. Yeah. You gotta like take the case yeah, off every and... time you do it, and like it doesn't fit. I always feel like I'm gonna break the the backbone when I'm putting my phone in there. Um, and then someone texts you, it knocks you out of the game, and it's just like it's just like one of those things that is just annoying enough. Um, yeah. That I think I've used my backbone enough. I've gotten use out of it. I don't feel like I'm gonna be wasting money doubling up on this purchase, but. If it's any like 150, oh, that's the question. 150 starts to get a little bit like 149.99. I mean, that sounds like a sexy price, but this is a backbone controller. It costs 99. dollars Right, right. This, as far as controller tech goes, is super low. Right. Compare this to the Dual Sense controller, and those things retail for 70 or 70 bucks, or maybe is it 70 or 80? I thought it was 80, but I'll, I'll check while you're talking about it. Take a yeah, check. So my question is, do you think that that screen is going to be $20? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for, for a DualSense controller that has a screen in the middle of it. Right. It, do we think that's going to be just an additional $20? I would say no. Yeah, it's I unlikely. would say I'm guessing this thing is going to be at least $250. Bucks. Um, I, I don't know if it has to be that high um, for, for, for it to happen. I don't think the screen is necessarily going to be amazing. Um, I mean, the Switch is 200 You can get it for, what, 300 it's three hundred, three hundred dollars yeah. for it, um, and if it doesn't have like its own like need to like process anything other than streaming it, the, the internals are not that much more than a dual sense with a extra like screen on it. So I would think realistically they would be targeting lower than one fifty, but I would not be surprised if it is one ninety nine. 
I would target 150. <laughs> I, well, that's the thing too. I like. I would agree. Um, and it's uh, 69 dollars. Oh, for a for a dual sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, my 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 prediction is that it's going to be 250. That and if uh, it might be, and if that's the case, who in yeah. their right th- fucking mind would buy that? I mean, they launched because they launched the PSVR two at what was it? That was six hundred, or was that five fifty? Five fifty. It's a mortgage, that's how. Yeah, and then the PS five was five hundred or four hundred, and then the controller. Yeah, I can buy a PSVR two now it, in stock for five fifty. I bet they're in stock. Hmm. <laughs> um, speaking of VR headsets, though, um, we kind of got two two VR headsets uh, that. Just got announced. Uh, we're going to talk about the sec- the one that like got announced today. Uh, it's not really a VR headset per se. It's an AR headset. The Apple, um, what is it called? I didn't love the name of it. Vision Pro. The Vision Pro. We're going to talk about that a little bit in our bonus episode. Um, but uh, the MetaQuest 3 um, got announced. It's costing $500, and it seems to be a super solid headset from everything I'm seeing here. I know that the... Uh, the the quest two is like for me one of those things where it's like yo i would buy this like if i'm gonna get a vr headset the oculus quest two or meta sorry meta quest two is the one i would get you've got the no wires which i think is huge you've got the fact that it doesn't need to run on a pc you know um that sort of stuff all does me right the stuff through facebook i don't love but also like whatever i have a facebook account like everyone does you know what i mean yeah um but the actual specs of this thing uh, it is pretty pretty impressive um it's got a really solid uh chipset that it's running off of um it has that 120 hertz refresh rate which i think is is uh, like what you want for something like this that is supposed to be the most immersive thing you can possibly have right um and it's selling for 500 bucks which is i think what the quest 2 was selling for but uh oh no sorry that is a 400 dollar increase yeah Yeah. but what do you think uh i'm excited for this first of all cheaper than a psvr2 and what have i always said about beat saber i wish i could get beat saber uh like not attached to the playstation store so i could download all the different track packs that i want and really customize and edit this and plus get real weird with a bunch of steam sales and a bunch of the games on there i think um right now the one thing that psvr2 has on the MetaQuest are the exclusive games for it, but there's also exclusive games that you can't get on the PSVR 2 for yeah. like PC. Like I'm still thinking about Half-Life uh, uh, Alex, right? Like that's still right. something you can only get on the PC. So being able to play on the MetaQuest to be honest. Can you? I don't think you can. You can't? No, I think you need the Valve Index because it has Fuck. the. Never mind. All this is all this is going away. This yeah. is we're done here. We're done here. Um no, but I actually think like one of the things is that this would get me more likely to buy the MetaQuest 2 for another headset. And in fact, at that price range, that is much more welcoming for me as a headset than anything else. Uh, yeah. It's in a price range that is expensive. It's a luxury item, but it doesn't feel like it's out of my budget. Um, I'll be able to play some of the VR games on there for you know nicer prices and stuff like that. Um, but uh, this just shows you that, minus what Apple did, uh, eventually these these things will get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper um, and more and more uh, affordable and accessible. Think about buying a plasma screen TV when I was a kid. Um, 
I would it, they're like you know five thousand dollars for like a thirty two yeah. inch, and you're like I can't afford this, and now you can get like a sixty inch for five hundred dollars. That's a nice, a nice vision. So I think this is a good step. Um, and uh, if anything, I have a Quest Two circled on my. I might get this one day. Yeah, list. I, like that's the thing. Like if these start getting even lower in price and whatever, and and the games start to be there because for me like the one game that like i would really want to play on a, on a headset like this is the um re2 vr edition um but yeah i'm i'm content not buying this for now yeah but yeah still cool that, that this is there especially for vr fans because this does seem to be a really really solid um step for for that um so apparently you can play half-life alex 2 um if you link it uh to your pc um Oh, okay. So they have link cables for like $80 or something like that. There's a couple options to do it. So there's a workaround for it that you still can play it, but you're missing the cool little like controllers and stuff like that. Um, I do have to say one thing about the PSVR 2 that I think is really cool, the controller. I like the controller. Mm -hmm. Sexy little piece of tech. Oh, yeah. It's got that little like orb around the hand. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But VR. Yeah, no, I agree. It's still expensive. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, Justin, we got we got a little bit of Metal Gear Solid Delta Metal Snake Gear. Eater news. Um, you want to run me through what, what I'm looking at here? Okay, let me let me let me let me pull this up here. Um, first of all, like your excitement level on Metal Gear Delta. Um, completely based off of yours. So <laughs> like a four right now, right? So um, I uh, have to say, <laughs> I am getting less and less excited about this game. Yeah. The more I hear about it. First of all, um, I forget if we talked about this last week. Kojima, not involved. No, by the way, who did I not expect to see at my fucking uh, mobile press conference today? The big Apple press conference today. Mr. Hideo Kojima shows up and basically is like, what's going on? Uh, 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 Death Stranding director's cut is coming to Mac along with all my future games because Mac's are able to run that now, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything about Max really, but that was exciting. And I was like, why are you here? I mean, <laughs> like, like I, it, it's one of those things that I think from this was, uh, what, what was the conference that this was? Was it the Apple conference? This was the worldwide developer conference, worldwide developer, developer conference. The second, you, it was, which is an Apple. Conference, okay. So the second you put Kojima into it, more outlets yeah. start picking it up. Oh, a thousand percent. You know what I mean? So, like, even if he just says, like, yo, I'm Kojima, like, the fact that Kojima's there, more people are going to get their eyes on this kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, slightly gaming-related stuff other than um, uh, Death Stranding's coming to Apple in terms of the headset, like, the implication stuff, just to get more eyes on it, I think. Um, yeah. And now, you know, here, we're talking about it on our, our little podcast here. Um, yeah. And it gave us a great idea for a bonus episode. So, you know what? Thank you, Kojima. Thanks I appreciate for being there, it. man. Um, okay, so Kojima's not involved in, in Delta, obviously. Um, yeah. But they also announced that they are not recording new audio. All of the voice actor yes. lines from the original, and I believe motion capture, too, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Uh, they're going to be using the old audio and motion capture from uh, the original one. And to me... That is scary because when I am seeing Metal Gear Solid Delta 
and I'm seeing their ability to remake Metal Gear Solid 3, I don't want it to just be like, we are going to slightly change your perspective and we're going to slightly change the, gra- or not slightly, probably significantly change the graphics and stuff like that. I want it to be reimagined, redesigned, rethought of um, yeah. in the, the, the vein of Resident Evil 4 because I still haven't played Resident Evil 4 yet, re- the remake, but I will. And I can't make the complaint about, well, it's just an old game. So this, I'm just really concerned, like the team making this, Konami, like inside studio, not Kojima, that is going to be using a lot of the old original assets and stuff like that for the game. Is it going to be significantly better? Or like that different, right? Or that different. And they're also coming out with their Master Collection 1, which includes the Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater from the HD Collection version, which I think is the one that has the, uh, I don't know if that's the one with the better controls for it or not. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but they already already released another version of Metagre Solid 3 that has better controls than the original one did. Oh, gotcha. So it's like a remastered version of that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to be negative here. I'm still probably going to play it, but I love Metal Gear because of Kojima. I don't know if I'm going to like this game because it is just Metal Gear again. Like, yeah. I, it just scares me. It's red flags. Um, but I think, you know, more people play the game. Great. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, but like you asked about my excitement level, like, whatever you think. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to defer to you. You know, like, I, I'm. are you going to play this day one? Like, is this day a pickup? One, like a- uh, it, they would have to, like, I don't want, like, the other people to... to skew my opinion but if the reviews are like this is a life-changing game day one yeah if it comes out in a dead period maybe if i have nothing else to play but i mean i didn't i didn't play resident evil 4 and that game is like one of the highest reviewed games of this year fair (laughs) fixed all my problems that i had with it and it came out during a deadish time in my specific game log that i had the time to play it i just didn't yeah but um, interesting. I, I'm saying like I'm gonna defer to you on this one, and if you're like Peter, you should play this. Then I will take your word for yeah. it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> but but that's the thing too, right? Like the things that are intriguing to me about this game, uh, like are kind of being taken away. You know what I mean? Or like the idea of a remake for this, you know, are kind of like dissolving as we find out more. Um, especially because like, um, and we talked about this a little bit last week when when this was announced is like. Um, do we trust Konami to make a fun game either? Like, no, not really. Because the rumor was like, oh, Bluepoint uh, is, is going to work on this. And Bluepoint obviously has, has done plenty of remakes and, and remasters. And they're seasoned at, at this sort of thing. Um, and yeah, just the fact that like Konami itself is making this a, a studio that hasn't made a video, like a, a big AAA video game in a long time, like just doesn't like fill me with a whole lot of confidence. Um, but it seems like they're trying to like make a comeback right now with this and the Silent Hill stuff. But um, and I'll I'll be honest with you, Justin. All that Silent Hill stuff, none of it looks interesting to me. No. Like like I don't know if you saw like they released a trailer for um, I don't even remember what it's called. One of their new Silent Hill projects, where like it's like a real time game that you watch on Twitch or something. It looks. Like they couldn't like in an interview, they couldn't tell you what the game was like, yeah, not even just like what the game is about, but like, no, like, how do you play the game? Yeah, like it wasn't it wasn't really uh, it was Silent there. Hill Ascension. 
that's what it was yeah. yes um which is like okay this is gonna be bad yeah but you <laughs> like, can choose like, oh, how it no. ends right it's like no but like how do you choose and it's like we'll tell you later can you imagine like, if like the canon no. version for um like until dawn uh was like what happened on a twitch stream and it ended with just all the characters just dying just being killed instantly in, like the dumbest ways yeah yeah i feel no, like yeah that's i can imagine this yeah like, that sounds bad you know so like there hasn't been like a lot coming out of like konami that i've been like super uh impressed by <laughs> with with the metal gear stuff with the stuff surrounding metal gear and then the the stuff surrounding all the silent hill stuff i mean even you look at like bloober team is the pick to do the silent hill remake I, I know we feel differently about the medium right or and just like the blue like bloober teams work in general but like I, I, would you agree with me that like bloober team is a bad pick for something like that for uh, i think i would not peg them to be a studio to do like a remake of something yeah like like it's exactly yeah like would you would you peg would you give them like maybe the most celebrated survival horror game ever to remake i would say no based on all my experience with their their other stuff you know they have their moments they have moments but then like I've never said like all the way through a blooper team game has been like nailing it. You know what I mean? Like, yes. but like it just, it just, it's an odd choice. They get, they can get tone. They can get some spooky moments. And I think right now, can you list another developer that does focus so much on the spooky genre successfully? Uh, like frictional. They did the amnesia stuff. I mean, they're like just right on the mind. Cause we were talking about them earlier. Um, I think like someone like Remedy, like they do, they got like, you know, while, while like Control and like Quantum Break and stuff, uh, Quantum Break definitely wasn't, but like Control wasn't like a horror game per se. Like I still think that they have like a good grip on like horror with like Alan Wake um, and atmosphere, especially with Alan Wake, which I think something like Silent Hill 2 would have uh, benefits from is, is like really good atmosphere. Yeah. You know? And to me, uh, to me, that's an intriguing choice, but I think uh, following um, Quantum Break being an Xbox property, I think they still want to kind of be on their own without doing that. And I think remedies, Oh yeah. Re- they're too big almost to do something oh, like that. I wouldn't that. say, I wouldn't say but that I they agree. should I would love that. a fucking Silent Hill game from them. Can you imagine how weird that would be? It'd be so weird. That'd be That's so be weird. Like really I weird. would love that. You so like, remember me. in control when you go into that, that motel, Yes. And every time it's like, what yeah. is this? Yeah. Like that stuff it would, is just like all like so killer. And to me, that game um, is creepy as hell without being outwardly creepy. Because it's just like I think it really nails down the idea of what being creepy is, yeah. where it's just like for whatever reason, Unsettling. like something's off. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like what is going on here? Um, but uh, I guess let me think about like uh, let me. You know what, Justin? I'm gonna do this. Okay, I'm gonna look up right now. Horror a studio that I think Horror. should have studio um, that I think should have done uh, 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 whatever this game is called, uh, Silent Hill Two. Um, I mean, Capcom's doing pretty good with horror in terms of Resident Evil, but they wouldn't do it. Um, um, I don't know. And like you could Tango, Tango Gameworks, I don't think makes really good horror. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're right. And I'm not, I'm not like saying like Bloober Team is going to nail it. But like if you're thinking about the size of a studio, if you're thinking about like a connection to make with yeah. them, you're thinking about like who could do it, who would do it. They're probably like, we, 
You mean we don't have to yeah, make the medium yeah. too? I they they feel like a really obvious choice. Um Oh, Frictional Games also made Soma. Did you oh, ever play that? yes, yes, yes. That is good. Yeah. But um yes, yeah, so there you go. Oh, Justin, please. I've been seeing the notification on my phone when you log on to your PlayStation. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been seeing it. Yeah. And I was like, did he is he playing Humanity? And then I looked. I downloaded it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, you so you've been playing uh Jedi Survivor. I huh? did, and your boy joined the Platinum Club. Oh, nice. How did you find that uh, that process? Like, what did you have to, f- to clean up there at the end? And, and uh, significant, actually. Like, there was a lot oh, really? of stuff. Um, so I don't like when you played it. Were you like doing it for work while you were doing it? Like, a hundred percent. A lot of the stuff that you did. Um, so I didn't. I didn't have like the like trophies turned on. It's so, like I couldn't even see when I was earning. Oh, good, good, great. <laughs> that must have been fun. To clink, 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 clink. Um, I thought it was a really good, um, a really good trophy list, with the exception of one. Uh, and that was, there's this one, you have to get everything from uh, a shop, buy everything from a shop and you had to get all <laughs> of the priorite, uh, priorite, yeah, whatever I mean, shards pyrite, pyrite, that yeah, they get one. there. Um, and you know, the good thing about in like playing the game afterwards is that like, there's one specific one that doesn't show up on the map that you basically get through making a rare creature poop. Yeah. Never in a million years would I have gotten that one. I thought it was a bug because of my history with that. Yeah, game. <laughs> right, right. Um, so the other issue is that some of those are really tough and there's most of them are on one planet and there's a couple that aren't on other planets. And I cleared out those other those other planets uh, with mm-hmm. of everything. But I, I still was too short. And I was like, why am I too short? Well, it turns out um, both of the ones I was missing were in places where there was a bounty hunter. And when I cleared out the map, it was where the bounty hunter was and the yeah. things didn't pop where the bounty hunters were. So then I had to go back. So there was like an hour of me being like, I don't know what the fuck this is. What's going on? I'm like, yeah. looking on the Internet, whatever. So that was the only one that I was kind of like, whatever. But the good thing is that there's another planet in Jeddah that has all these scrolls to it that you don't have to get all those scrolls. I was worried that you had to yep. get all of those as well. There were data was, discs, oh, too. No. You don't have to get all the data discs. So yeah. I think this game did a good job about making you feel like you were working towards that 100% completion of every little task without actually mm-hmm. having you do the monotony of it. You didn't have to get all the cosmetics. You didn't have to do all the other stuff. And I think the post-game content was actually pretty good. Uh, a lot of those those shards were in locations that were kind of interesting to get to. I thought the the puzzle design of the world was actually really fun. Um, I yeah. really did not get frustrated with much of the end game, and I didn't even have to put the, the difficulty down lower because by the time you get all the upgrades and stuff as you're going through, you become kind of powerful. Like you you get enough stim packs to like kind of like blast your way through most uh, boss encounters or fights that you have to do. Um, and I feel like you just get better at the game. The game really trains you to get better at it. Um, and it was to the point where I was like, I don't have to put the, the difficulty down, but I definitely feel like if I wanted to challenge myself and I want to play this game again, I could put the difficulty up and be able to, um, like be good at it and enjoy the game still. Like, I felt like I was really trained throughout the whole thing, like a Jedi master to do it. Hmm. Um, and there's some cool, like just like cool story moments too. They really there's there's really like a ton that is in there, kind of not 
I wouldn't just say post-game. I waited to post-game for a lot of it. There's just a ton of other side stuff with characters, whether it's conversations or little, like, moments that you have in there. There's this one, you go into this house, and there's this guy who's just, like, being weird. Oh, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. he's, like, being really weird, and you're like, yeah, okay, great. I see there's a treasure in your basement. I'm going to go in there. And then you go in the basement, and you see you get, like, a, a treasure and a force echo. And it turns out that that guy killed his brother to get this treasure, and then you're like, oh, that's weird. And then you turn around, the guy's there. He's like, I'm not letting right you out there. of this thing. And you just fight him. And it was like an easy enough fight. But like little things like that. It was a really well-designed world. And uh, I, you know, love me some Star Wars. I love me some Jump Jump Dash games. I love the yeah. hell out of this game. And I think it was one of the ones that the Platinum didn't ruin me. But there was one bug I ran into. Uh, what was that? I love to Platinum a game on a trophy that I choose in a way that I think will make a fun photo. Oh, sure. Yeah. So there's this one I was going to save to the end. It was, you had a jump off your mount in an area where it died yeah. and it would die. And then you would get the trophy and it would be like a pop pop. And I'd be falling to my death. I'd be like, Oh, it'd be awesome. I get the camera like angled in the right way. Well, one of my last trophies I did, I had to finish the force tears. So I used one of those creatures to jump up on a ledge. And then I had to do this balloon thing to pop around. And it was fine. It was living. But when I got to the force tear, it deloaded the map. So the thing fell and died. Oh, dang. And it popped the trophy as I went to the force tear. And I was like, no, no, my plan. (laughs) It's ruined. So that was like one of the significant bugs in the game that happened that I was very frustrated with because... It was a stupid reason, but I just wanted that photo, and I was planning for that photo, and I wasn't able to get that photo correctly because I wanted to watch that happen. But um, yeah, I, re- I, I still really enjoy that game. If there's, if I want, I can go back and do more. I can do the new game plus if I wanted to. Um, I could get the rest of the the cosmetics and stuff that I missed, the scrolls on Jetta. But um, it, it was what I would consider uh, what most platinum should be, and I like that it wasn't from a Sony first party. Because uh, I feel like sometimes Agreed. they almost dumb it down. Like I feel like Horizon, there was so much left undone on the map that I felt like not not forbidden the Forbidden West. You didn't have to do like nearly anything. There's like all these races. Like do two of them. Uh, you had to try stuff. Yeah, you had to try stuff, yeah. which is fine. But it feels like when I was done with it, I was like, there's still so many quests i have to do there's still so many things i have to see this one most of the quests are done there's still like collectibles and stuff and like little environmental puzzles i could still do if i wanted to but i felt like they gave me enough to do to get a good platinum and it was probably one of the best i i have done in a while no i think i think that makes it i think it was a good platinum as well um the uh the priorite stuff took a lot out of me. It did, yeah. Um, just because also, like, I think when you go in expecting, like, oh, I'm going to have to do a lot of work for this one trophy, like, I think you look at it a little differently when I was, like, when I realized, like, oh, I need all yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. was a little ways into it, you know what I mean? But, um, no, it, it is, uh, yeah, I think, I think I'd agree with you. It's a, it's a pretty good platinum. Um, and um, I liked... I like that you also didn't have to get all those plants, just some of them. You know what I mean? That was, that was one of the last ones I got done because whenever you got a new seed, like sometimes you're just like a I new did, color. I didn't know how to upgrade the, the place. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it is like you're, whenever you planted new seeds, eventually it would unlock stuff to talk. But like some of the new seeds were like a different variation of a color and you didn't get that conversation yeah. with, with uh, whatever her name was. So like there was just some times when I was like, well, I didn't, 
like I got a new seed. They didn't label the new one, so I was like, oh, which one's new? And then I'd have to like yeah. replant them all and be like, okay, that's the one that that triggered the dialogue option. Um, that's so, one that I didn't understand either. Why was that even in there? Like the 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 plant, like the the flower garden stuff. Because I know you had you had flowers in the original one. Yeah, right. But it, it was just it was weird to me that it was like, why is this here? Yeah, it, like it didn't you give know? you anything. Like if you could harvest the plants and like you got a boost from them or something from them, it would make sense. But it literally was like, we want to get this character and we need a trophy. Maybe it was something that they were gonna have more of a system with, and they just oh, ended sure. up like just, just cutting happen. it on the floor or whatever. But it was yeah, it was not one of my favorites, and it was one of those that I like fortunately stumbled into how to do it and i really didn't look up much i looked up um the uh poop thing because i heard that was an issue um i i started to mass look up stuff trying to find out where those last two shards were um Mm -hmm. and then there was like three bosses i couldn't find at the end that i just had to like find out where they were because i didn't like explore all the map which i guess is on me and a forced hair i had to find i couldn't find the last one it was under a fucking elevator dicks Oh yeah, no. Yeah, what is this, Dark Souls? <laughs> like, come on! Um, I don't like that. I liked, I liked the bounty hunter side quest. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a fun thing. I will say though, uh, and I don't want to spoil it because people don't, I imagine, don't want to hear it. I thought the ending was very silly and very stupid. <laughs> yeah, and uh, mine was even sillier and stupider because you have this big boss fight at the end of it. And the and yeah. the, the the person you're fighting, um, I did it so right when I blew the got the last blow, I hit them off the map and they fell down on the map, oh. and immediately it cuts into a cutscene. I was there, the dialogue was there, the but person I wasn't there. dumped off the edge wasn't there for like most of the cutscene. So there's a pretty it's a pretty fun cutscene moment, right? There you know there's there's the a good old standoff happening and everything like yeah. that. And then, there's there's a blank they're all referencing this blank <laughs> character um and then right at the end of the cutscene they like pop back in right as it ended so sure. i was like that was that was a silly that's silly bl- bug very anticlimactic yeah yeah i really kind of was like should i read no i'm not gonna reload it i need to do that again no no but um also i you know we, we talked about this too like i like the trophies associated with the new force the mm-hmm. lightsaber stances uh, i thought those were were um worth doing yeah but. and there, w- there weren't any that i was like overly frustrated with um in any kind of way and most of the the lightsaber ones if you just use the other uh lightsaber forms you're good Uh, i did learn that my two favorite forms are uh the blaster and the Mm -hmm. dual wield are are not the double blade oh you really like the dual wield wield really got me because they have a lot of good like counter uh attacks and they have a lot of good quick offense uh that had to go with it so uh i i enjoyed that pairing together very much um so yeah wow well, would you look at that? Well, I think that's going to do it for our show. Um, just a quick clarification as to what's happening, because um, Justin's doing some traveling this summer. I'm doing some traveling this summer. Um, Justin's out of town next week, um, but we are still going to have a regularly scheduled episode. It just won't be talking about the news. We're going to um, record some stuff before he heads out. Same thing with the um, the bonus show, although those aren't like usually like super topical. They sometimes are, but... Um, that's we're gonna um still have an episode both a regular and a bonus episode next week they just won't be um the news which is a little unfortunate because uh later this week we're getting the summer games fest showcase um and then the xbox game showcase is that also next week that is um so we'll be talking about all of that 
uh, as we, all of the the big showcases that we're getting in this like not E three week sort of thing. Uh, we're gonna be talking about all that the week after when Justin gets back. Uh, which, by the way, did you see someone asked Jeff Keeley like, "Do you think you're responsible for the death of E three? And he was like, "No." He said, like, no, I, I kind of saw that it was a sinking ship and got out of there before it could fully sink, which I think is fair. I think he, he had probably had a part in it in like E3, the name E3 sort of dipping. But um, that's just my take. Um, but I, like, I don't think like did you hear this thing called COVID can't blame him for it. Yeah, exactly. You know, kind of kind of like, like, like COVID isn't the sole reason, but I think COVID was the reason why we learned to live without E3 and that kind of just we survived we persisted e3 did not yes. change enough to to keep it going so and i think the, the sinking ship thing is like well, there were a lot of holes yeah. in in the boat that was e3 and jeff Keeley leaving was one of them yep. and the summer games fest being popular was one of them and covid was a big hole and like i think there were a lot of of that sort of thing um so so i think it'd be silly to, to blame jeff Keeley solely for that <laughs> um but uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't. Are you excited for any of these showcases? I'm excited for the Xbox One. Uh, I always like their showcases. Yeah, I'm excited for Xbox and the Summer Game Fest opening night live, whatever they're doing. To me, those those are the ones that I think will have things that are interesting enough. And I yeah, don't know what to find, expect. Oh, Go ahead. I always find the the Summer Games Fest to be a little um, anticlimactic. Yeah, like I, I tend to find like I usually get a lot more out of like, like the game awards Yo. than I do like the summer games show. Yeah, I agree. But like looking at this list, I have an idea of what I'm going to see at most of these, with the exception yeah. of summer games fest. Could be anything, right? Uh, oh, I will say this: we're getting some Alan Wake two gameplay. Okay, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. What is I'll Kojima going to do? That's fair because I imagine he'll show yeah. up, right? Maybe not with probably with with at least some Death Stranding 2 news or something. Yeah. So to me, Um, the Xbox game showcase is really the only one that I'm truly interested in seeing what that's going to be. And uh, if you you believe Microsoft PR at this point of your life, it's going to be a doozy. And by a doozy, I mean that no CG trailers for Xbox first party (laughs) games is what they said. Yeah. They said that. Yeah. Okay. I, I think we I know. I think we're getting Fable. Yep um so that's exciting uh is that is the um that starfield showcase is that in with that or is that a different uh, i'm not i'm not sure actually but um okay. i'm sure they'll show something from starfield um but it's probably you'd have won't to be, assume right uh what you'd have to assume yeah, that, right like, like i mean let's see uh starfield direct i mean it says showcase ends on june 11th no it's uh oh, it nice. will it'll take place directly after the xbox showcase Oh, okay. So that'll be a yeah. devoted little section yep. for that. So Which that's, is, that's they'll probably be like, and this is Starfield. You want to see more about it? Check out this stream. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's exciting. So I guess um, we'll see about all that. Like I said, though, we will not be covering that next week. The week after, we'll have all sorts of new things to say, uh, all sorts of hot takes about how Alan Wake now looks like Keanu Reeves, Ooh. and I'm fine with that. What if What if it just becomes like a John Wick? Like a game about like a like a shooter? Well no, but probably. like he just becomes the John Wick character. But instead of using like guns, his pen. His pen, his mightier pen. than the sword. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for that game. It, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm like I'm super excited about it, but like maybe after this gameplay I'll I'll be I'll be turned around. But also I mean, we've said this before though. Remedy gets better with every game. Yep. 
Yep. And and like I I don't know like I know kind of how, I know how you feel about like the, the Alan Wake like gameplay. Uh, it looks like it's gonna be different Better. from the original. Um, yeah. Like, does that story do anything to excite you, n- knowing that there's no? But more, I think no, really. I think having another character will make it more interesting because I would hope it would be like that character is like me. Like, is that narrating going on? Why is everything you're saying actually happening? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a way to make it a little bit more accessible instead of it being this like Mm -hmm. really like heady thing. But also for remedy, like fuck happening control. I don't know. You're a woman. Right. But also like it was interesting. Yeah, it was. It it made me go. Huh. Interesting. And I I think her brother. what? What a weirdo. Sorry, go on. Oh, your brother. I forgot that was a whole what thing. A, like, what a what a cool character. Yeah. Just like, oh, gosh. And weird. And just having those, like, long extended conversations with him in his little cell. Yeah. He's, like, not blinking. Yeah. He's just, like. You know, like and you walk over and it doesn't follow you because it's a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We'll talk about all that in, in two weeks. Um, until then, though, we will catch you later. Remember to join our Discord. Link to that is in the description of this episode. Follow us on Twitter at HitboxPod. Support us on Patreon. Become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer like Jay Noel and like Dave Parker. Get that bonus episode. Again, we're talking about Apple and and Android phones um, today. I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. Um you can support us there. If not all good at twitter.com at hitboxpod. Tweet at us about the episode, about your thoughts on any of this. Um, or, you know, what I'd be interested in, um, it just as a way that we can sort of engage with you about these showcases as they're happening. If you've got any thoughts about that or questions or whatever about the, the showcases, go ahead and, and send us a tweet as they're happening and, and we'll respond to you and, and be able to talk to you a little bit there. Um, just because, again, we won't be able to talk about it until the week after. So um, you find us there, all that and the other. Justin, am I forgetting anything? You're forgetting how awesome you are. No, Justin. You're forgetting how awesome you are. Oh, yeah, sometimes. It happens to the best of us. And Justin, you're one of the best of us. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next time. Always remember, old games are old. Bye. Bye.